The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 138. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a time lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Bravehearty. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position this. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Hell, Scottish. I can complain about things. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing The Poison Sky. It's the second uh, episode in the two-part that began last time with the the Sontaran Stratagem. I was going to say mm-hmm. the Sonar Stratagem. The Sontaran <laughs> Stratagem. Joining me today on the panel are Father Cory Stika. Hi, Father Cory. How's it going, Dom? Very well. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Uh, so, folks, uh, we're not going to go into the whole thing. We had a power outage before we started recording. I want to get this recorded uh, now before we lose power again or something else goes wrong. So let's get into uh, the episode. Uh, before I do, though, I want to say, as I, as I like to, to remind you, to please go to the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, facebook.com slash Secrets of Doctor Who. Like the page. Like the posts about the episodes. Retweet them on Twitter at SQPN and leave us comments. All of that really helps get other people to, you know, it starts a conversation, gives some of your feedback for us to include in the show, and lets other people know about the show. So we really do appreciate that. All right. So <laughs> let's get into talking about the Poison Sky. Last time on Doctor Who, uh, the Santarans had launched this, uh, they had launched this device. They had this device that's installed in all the cars, 400 million cars in the world, so half. Mm-hmm of the cars in the world that creates some type of pollution. That's the, uh, the, the, how we were left. We don't know exactly what it was yeah. for, but it and creates it was, this gas. It, it, it was poisoning the sky. Hence the title of the episode, yep. the poison sky, the poison sky. So I have to start off by saying that, uh, I, I saw a note somewhere that said that this episode apparently leaves a loose end about the Sontaran defeat that is later on picked up by the Sarah Jane adventures. Do you know anything mm, about that? Mm. I didn't see, an explanation of what it was, but no, I haven't. It shouldn't be too hard to find, but I'm not familiar with that off the top of my head. Okay, it's something about the last Sontaran. So maybe it's uh, there, one of the Sontarans get left behind. Yeah, there was one of them that might have been on Earth when the ship was blown up and wasn't captured or killed by a unit. Okay, okay. So that's what I wonder. Yeah, that's probably true. They, yeah, they were all running around the factory. So let's get let's get into it. Uh, the the other thing, the other kind of note that was in in this was that Billy Piper makes a brief cameo. Yep. It said as Rose on a TARDIS view screen, but I I didn't see that. It was, I did. Yeah, I saw okay. it as well. Yeah. Um, Donna was in the TARDIS, and the Doctor was talking right. to uh, the Santarans from Unit, and she was watching, and and just just as it flipped on, it quickly yeah. flashes her. Donna never saw it because she was around the console. But then the, uh, the screen turned on. You saw Rose for just the briefest of seconds, and then the doctor was there, and she runs around to see the screen. Yeah. Okay. So 
um, that was apparently enough to give Billy Piper fourth billing in the credits. That works. Oh, I don't boy. Notice that. <laughs> well, nice work if you can get it. And yeah. she probably filmed it as part of one of her other scenes in one of the other episodes. Yeah. So it was on, on the lot for like one day. <laughs> well, or actually, I think it was they just took it from another episode. Like they just they lifted a, 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 a screenshot from another episode. But also, this is the first time that Donna, Martha, and Rose are all in the same episode together. Mm-hmm. But it's not the first time that all three actresses were all in the same episodes together. Uh, because Prima Ag- Agiamani, I'm Agiamani? sorry. Yep. Yeah, I all, uh, she was in Army of Ghosts and Doomsday, which both Donna and Rose were in as well. Right, That's right. But, but different right. She character. She played her cousin. Yeah, yeah, she played a different character, uh, but so her cousin. Yeah, her cousin that later on was uh, backfilled. Uh, Identical and, and, cousins all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Patty Duke show, folks. If you don't know okay. what that's a reference to, <laughs> so uh, we so we pick up this episode with the doctor trying to get Wilf out of Donna's mom's car. Uh, you know, using the the uh, try trying to the change sonic. the the yeah. Sonic and you know you re- rewire it, and Donna's mom comes out. Uh, with an axe, Sylvia yep. with an axe, yeah. like she's got the straight on. That, now I know where Donna gets it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now to be fair, gets, as, as a car geek, I cringed because, as far as I know, Britain also uses safety glass on their windshields, and you'll put an axe through the windshield, but you won't shatter the windshield with an axe. Right, mm. right. That's true. They have that, those tools here in America that are designed to shatter the windshield. Like if you're, yeah. if like, let's yeah. say you drive off a bridge and you're underwater and the water pressure is keeping the door closed. There's this, there are these little things you can have on your keychain mm-hmm. and just well, smack it, the window with it. Yeah. And it's supposed to shatter the whole thing. Well, it, it's usually the side windows. As side windows are yeah. not yeah. safety glass, but the front front windows usually they're two panes of glass with plastic, basically like uh-huh. a, a yeah. fan wrap is basically what it is, and. Right. Uh, that will keep the windshield. That's why when you see an accident where the windshield comes out, it all com- it's broken up, but it all comes out in one piece. And that's by yeah. design. Just pops yeah. out. As a car guy, I'm just going like, it doesn't work like that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they should have had her shatter the passenger side window. Exactly. But, you know, good enough. That was very dramatic. I, I liked mom getting to do something constructive. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. they, they yeah. really make her unlikable. And yes. they're trying to straddle a fence with her. She's not totally unlikable. But she is largely unlikable, and, exactly. And and I don't like that trope. I of the of the nasty parent in Doctor Who, um, and so I like seeing Mom get to do something constructive, even if it's actually technically destructive of a car <laughs> <Yeah>. window. <laughs> she she has the Donna's worst tendencies, worst personality traits, without the redeeming qualities from yeah. Will. Th- that's yeah. That's what they've done right. Meanwhile, Wilf is nowhere near as effectual as either. So Wilf is Wilf and Donna are nice. Donna and yes. Mom are effectual. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> that's right. And Donna gets the best of both. So back at Atmos, uh, the unit soldiers are only now just getting their gas masks on. That's uh, good. Good going, guys. Yep. Uh, and uh, then they have this map in the control bunker, the uh, the, the the tractor trailer with it, with the uh, control room in it. That shows the Atmos smog growing r- worldwide. I love that that little graphic that mm-hmm. shows it just expanding from all these locations in real time, apparently. And, and once again, Montana was one of the last places to get the dot. So, yes, I was happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, clone Martha yeah. uses her security clearance to access the NATO defense codes. And that's that's a key plot point right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. 
meanwhile, Luke Radigan is freaking out over going to war and, and freaking out in the like, I'm so excited that we're going to war sort of way. Right. Uh, yeah. Bizarre. By the way, something that occurred to me, Luke Radigan has an American accent. And yes. I, it got me to thinking, in, especially in New Who, when is the last time anyone with an identifi- identifiably American accent played a clear good guy on this show? Well, um, well I mean, it was um, last season uh, in the South riding the bus. Um, what's her name? Uh, oh, Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks. Thank you. OK, I'm going to take in a, I'm, I'm going to put Rosa Parks in a special category um, (laughs) because that's a historical thing that was done for very other reasons. Um, But if you look at New Who in general, every fictional character, every fictional American character that we've seen, and I'm not talking about an episode set in America, but Mm -hmm. when Americans come to England to be on the show Mm -hmm. as characters, it, I can't think of a good one. I mean, I mean, we have can, we have mili- o- over militaristic generals. We have um, the only, only thing I can only want to think of is boy geniuses is a uh, Captain Jack. But he's he's okay. he's he's well, not a bad guy, but he's mm-hmm. not exactly a good guy either. He's 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 very fluid in that, shall we say? Yeah, he's also not exactly <laughs> an American. He's from the Boshan province in the 41st century. But he's got an, an American accent. <laughs> he does but have he's an got American, American accent. accent. Okay. The actor That's is, but, but, but I don't know if people realize that, but he actually is from, yeah. like, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good point, though, Jimmy. That, that like Very often when an American, sh- American shows up, although, you know, uh, vice versa, there's a, there are a lot of uh, br- uh, American TV shows where uh, the only guys with British accents are, are bad guys with, ba- with evil plans. So, <laughs> or Nazis, which, you know, because yeah. we know the Nazis all spoke with British accents <laughs> from all of our World War II movies. Uh, so um, Martha Clone hears the doctor arriving in the bunker and in, in, in the command trailer and covers her tracks by conveying the message about that he gave her about the Santarans belatedly. Right. Code red Santarans. Yeah. Which which is a very clever bit of uh, of subterfuge because she she didn't tell Colonel Mace because she didn't want him to know right. about the Santarans. But now that the cat's out of the bag, she can say, oh, I told him like you like you asked me exactly. to without without you know that not being true uh so that i thought that was clever i also have a a note here that general stall the leader of the santarans and i forget if he says this to the martha clone or who he says it to but i have a note of him saying good work for a female and i'm going yeah Yeah. what's with the misogyny from the alien race that reproduces by cloning and doesn't even have gender right well they've they've talked they, there was last episode they had issues about you know men versus you know men are stronger and braver and better yeah, warriors you're weak like a woman or something weaker and yeah all that yeah but yeah that is interesting they, last time I could kind of think okay he's made the effort to learn about the difference between the human sexes um but here it's like what is this good work from I mean have you been like was it was it a bunch of misogynists that you were getting your education in the sexes from? I mean, probably Radigan, which would mean yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Although the other the other way to look at it is, is the writer had an axe to grind, yeah. and you know did, didn't no. want to, didn't want to let the uh, facts about the Santarans as already established get in the way of it. Uh, meanwhile, so the doctor gives Donna his tart uh, her Tardis key. She, so like it, that's a special moment for a companion. Yep. 
to get their own key to the TARDIS. And he wants to get all sentimental about it. And she's all grounded, and she's like, "Let's get all mushy after yeah. the war is over." Mm-hmm. You know, you know. What, what, I, I like that about Donna. One thing I do like about <laughs> the new Who is the TARDIS key looks like your regular old house key. It looks like a key you'll have yes. on your key, you because know, there were some points in Classic Who where it looked like a like a little medallion or medal or something like that. It looked so completely different from any other key you've ever seen. Didn't look like a key. Yeah. yeah. So Martha has the. Uh, the unit zombie soldiers transport the TARDIS up to the Santaran ship. So they steal with, it from the with doctor. Donna so, on board unbeknownst to them. Mm-hmm. Right. But at this point, the doctor already suspects that the Martha clone, there's something wrong mm-hmm. there. It's not the real Martha yeah. or something's wrong with her. Uh, he notices she hasn't contacted her family to warn them about the gas. Right. Uh, so he doesn't tell her that Donna was on the TARDIS when it got transported away. And when they leave the bunker, he doesn't say, allons-y. He says, Avanti. So he says in Italian mm-hmm. instead of French. Mm-hmm. I think as a way to kind of Test the check clone. to see if she's paying yeah. attention, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, I like Avanti better than Alonso. <laughs> I, I think that should have been his I don't know his why someone phrase. named Bettinelli would have that preference. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, let's Avanti. On to the next <laughs> thing. So the, ga- the gas, it turns out, isn't lethal until it reaches 80% density. So now we have uh, our countdown. And this is, all, this, is, this is the typical sci-fi bright line problem where yep. until yes. you cross the bright line, everything is fine. Yeah. It's not like yes. people with lung problems start dying at 40%, even if most people mm-hmm. are okay until 80%. Um, it's nobody at all dies until we hit the bright line of 80%. Well, it's, it's, it's easier to see it's 80% right. th- versus, you know, at about 42%, people with impaired lung functions are going to have issues and about 65%, this is going to happen. You know, they, you know, that takes too well, long. In a or script. even just, yeah. Or even just being vague about it. Like when this gets to a certain density, yeah. people are not going to be able to breathe. You got to have the countdown. I mean, or just say that. But that way you right. can have the big countdown on the big screen that's showing the percentage, which I'm surprised they actually didn't do in this episode. They yeah. just rattled it off every it's once in a while. It's at 79%. We have 1% left before everybody yeah. dies. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't do that either. Or they worse yet, yeah. 79.9% and the doctor solves the problem. And everybody's fine. <laughs> right. no, no adverse effects. No adverse effects. Everyone's okay. So the doctor... But at this point, they, they, they're they opening uh, communications with the Centaurans and Mace uh, calls them, uh, Colonel Mace calls them trolls. Mm-hmm. And the doctor says, oh, nice diplomacy. And then turns out to make short jobs. Yeah. Like, hypocrite. Yeah. What are you doing? Well, one thing I did like, though, is, is um, you know, the, the, the colonel was going to say, well, you can't speak for Earth. And the doctor's like, I'm not speaking for Earth. You know. Yeah. So this was a thing that... Um that I didn't like about this whole sequence where, you, you know, the colonel is telling doctor, you don't have the authority to speak on behalf of earth. And the doctor says, I earned it a long time ago. Right. And it's that, like, yeah. okay, yeah. we're seeing a little flash of the time Lord victorious here. Yeah, exactly. A little big for your britches buster. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that comes, it does come across a little, that, that whole, uh, and maybe that's intentional. Maybe we're heading toward that Water of Mars episode where we're going to see it all backfire mm-hmm. on him. I mean, maybe they're intentionally trying to build that up. But yeah, it's. Well, um, I think they it's they have much. been kind of working towards that for a while. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're starting to see more of it. You're right, right about that, though. But uh, but on the other hand, it would have been nice after that and he, that he learned his lesson and stopped doing it 
uh, during Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi yeah. Yeah. era. But you know, I like I like we get a reference in this sequence to the war with the Rutans because mm-hmm. uh, yep. that's a thing that's been and, and the Doctor tells us it's been going on for fifty thousand years. It's apparently a really long, inconclusive war. I mean, you may think the Iraq situation is endless, but that's nothing <laughs> compared to the Suntar and Rutan War. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the right. nice things here on Secrets of Doctor Who is we just recently reviewed, we've already reviewed a few Suntaran episodes, um, yep. but we recently reviewed the horror at Fang Rock where we got to see the Rutans and yep. how different they yes. are than typical rubber-suited aliens on Doctor Who because they're like green glowing jellyfish rubber jellyfish uh, yeah makes you wonder how bad the Suntarans are at uh the execution of war because the rutan i mean just build a bunch of stairs they can't get to you unless they're in their <laughs> transformed state where they yeah, look they like a human the human oh form. yes that's true yes we we covered that in that episode so de- de- definitely check that one out that, that was actually a good a good uh Mm-hmm. Episode of Doctor Who, the uh, the, the, the also in this sequence, while the Doctor is talking to General Stahl, General Stahl shows him he's got the TARDIS, and the Doctor says, yes. "Oh, a what a noble spoil of war to yep. get." Use, using the wake right. word for Donna Noble. Yep. Um. Yes. So she perks up, and he then says, "As they say in Latin, Donna nobis pacem." And they don't translate that for the viewer, which is interesting. Donna yep. nobis pacem means uh, give us peace. Yep. And But he, since he's got which the Donna the in there immediately after the noble uh, spoil, um, he's he lets Donna know he's given her a message, and apparently it's going to involve peace, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that uh, he's trying to convey to her to use the phone, but she doesn't know... Who- what to, who to, who yeah. do I call? What number am I supposed to call? And uh, yeah, I, I did I did like that uh, the the Donna Donna Nobis Pachim, You know, it, it's from the yeah, mass. Is the, it in the yeah the Anglican? It's at the conclusion of the um uh, day. of of the Anus Day the the no. Lamb of God. Who, it's See, at the conclusion of that. No, I get that. Yeah. But is it in the Anglican? I uh, would assume uh, it uh, is because a lot yeah. of it came from the the Latin, at least the traditional Anglican, yeah, liturgy. Yeah, that the High Church Anglican. Maybe maybe someone could let. Us I believe know. I believe it is in in the Anglican liturgy. Yeah. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've looked at kind of the traditional Anglican liturgy, but I believe it is. So, uh, meanwhile, Luke Radigan is uh, as his students are get aghast at what they see going on in London. He reveals his uh, his master plan to his students to create a brand new world for a, a new human race, and the students are not yeah. impressed, and and they they want to go find their families. So he threatens them with a gun, and and uh, they're like, "How are we going to create this new human race? Uh, we'll repopulate it," he says, and the and the girl's like, "You nerd! Yeah. I would never repopulate yeah. the world." He's got like you. he's designed a breeding Ouch. program on a spreadsheet or something. It's like, yeah, exactly. no, thank you. <laughs> and I'm sure he he's got yeah, the the, the multiple that- of it. <laughs> yeah yeah i the, oh that was there was like really bad nerd oh, yeah. burn in that in that scene uh, so, yeah and um, what what i i did it all for what's you interesting he here is you know we were wondering he was so into this suntaran thing in the last episode and he's he's also short like the suntarans and he's doing the suntar ha suntar ha war chant um yep. and we were wondering is he like or i was at least wondering is he like a suntaran or something in human form because they he could be like a martha clone um yep. and apparently no he's just crazy 
He's and, just crazy, and he's an easy dupe yeah. for the Santarans, as we see in the yeah. next scene. And and I like it when right. it finally gets pointed out. One of the guys he's been trying to convince, who who for a second looks like he might be going along with this, turns to Luke and says, "You're just sick." Yeah. And and yeah. then yeah. he's like, "I'm clever." And he's talking about how more clever he is than anybody else. As he's having and, a temper tantrum. As he's having a temper tantrum. And the, and this is where I had a little cognitive dissonance between his American accent and the British dialogue they've written for him. Because Americans mm. do not talk about people being clever the same way that yeah. British people talk about people being clever. An American would not, who is having this kind of temper tantrum mm. would not be saying things like i'm clever they would be saying things like i'm yes. smart or yep. i'm brilliant or right. something like, or i'm a genius but not yep. i'm clever yeah i'm cleverer than everyone do you hear me i'm, I'm smarter. smarter that's how everyone. an american yeah, would do it. Would be- yeah but it's interesting that his motivation or the or the professed motivation is i did it for you because you know we're all nerds and we're all laughed at by everyone else. And so we're, we're trying, you know, this is a, the triumph of the yeah. nerds. Well, I think the actual Revenge of the Nerds movie series probably was a little healthier than what this guy's doing, despite yeah. all the family unfriendly <laughs> stuff in it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so the, uh, then we have TV news reports that as they, as they sometimes do of, of people, people are walking cross country to get away from cities. On the East Coast, people are getting into boats oh, in the Atlantic. I, I noticed, they and they funny. had that. They gave the line to the uh, British newscaster about it. Scenes reminiscent of Dunkirk as Americans go out into the Atlantic on boats. Mm. I'm going. Uh, That's a little cringy. Yeah, this is a little cringy. <laughs> well, yeah, the, I, I just thought the, it was a little bit over the top, like you know, the biblical plagues, <laughs> the end of days, cats and dogs yeah. living in sin. I mean, it was just a little over the top the the way they 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 did this, uh, and, and it, it, it again, it's this every the doctors every time the doctor runs up against somebody, it has to be this mm-hmm. world ending yeah. potential. I mean, how many times have we done this with the, just the tenth doctor? We've you know we had the army of ghosts and the war at Canary Wharf, and we had uh, oh what was oh, the, the other one? Well, we had the, the fancy the year drive that never was crash and kill everyone on Earth, and yep. you know yeah right yeah we had the year of hell. We had all like all these like loses its punch if you overdo it and i, yeah. I think there is that case again so so donna calls home and uh sylvia goes on to donna all those things they said about pollution and ozone and carbon they're really happening aren't they and i'm like well no they're not this is the sun this is something yeah. very very <laughs> different like, they're special baby food gas yeah right yeah. I'm like well uh, why are you like why are you and donna's like yes it is that's that well, we'll fix it. It's like no, it's not. It has nothing to do with climate change. Like it's like if it's like the writer just had decided they wanted to write a climate change story, like this, not climate change per se necessarily, but but pollution, air pollution yeah, yeah. story, and and got and and forgot that it was a science fiction story about aliens doing something and not really about air pollution. In, that in, was that in, was weird. In, in fairness, uh, Sylvia could perceive it as right. oh, this is the capstone of all the air pollution hype i've been hearing from the media that's really coming true because she doesn't know and in fact even at this point even the doctor doesn't know that this is the secret santar and baby formula gas right not yet not yet but but it, but it's but it's a it's clearly not you know 
ozone and carbon, you know. Yeah, he knows there's something else in there. Yeah. But Sylvia doesn't. She doesn't, but uh, yeah, it just, it felt like, uh, well, Mm -hmm. she did kind of know something that the, you know, that it was something different, but okay. It just felt like it was a little, yeah, uh, that that the writer got a little lost in the agenda. It's a a little on the nose. Yeah. So, um, the the other thing I th- I was thinking was at this point don't the Atmos devices require the car's engines to be running? Apparently so, not. Apparently they've got battery power. <laughs> I was because I was gonna say well, like what about siphoning out all the gasoline from the tanks and waiting for the engines to run dry and then the cars there's there that whole thing about like a temporal pocket or something like that you know some wibbly wobbly oh, yeah. timey wimey explanation and you so know, the it, cars weren't generating it they were the devices were pulling it out of it was a basically being like a catalytic pocket. converter that would change from the, the the gases from the car store them into this gas and then expel it is i that's, think that's good head cannon father i don't think that's they actually well, that, said well, any of that <laughs> uh, last episode they, again they talked about it having the, they the didn't pocket. talk about the pocket yeah and that's where they it's did. storing the gas yeah. and stuff yeah they're pulling the gas out of something but yeah uh, <laughs> So it's at this point that the doctor notices that there's an extra element in the gas and surmises that this the this, the primary purpose of this is not to just to kill off everybody on the planet because that's been bugging them. The Sonatarans, they're 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 mili- they're militarily more powerful than us. They can just blast us into next week. So what's the what's the deal? And so he surmises they need the planet for something, and the gas is in there. To advance the plan, which we find out is the is the the clone baby gas. Yeah, um, they're going to turn the, the Earth into a hatchery. Yep. Yes. And then we're told uh, in the in by unit that nuclear forces are ready to launch, including India, Pakistan, and North Korea, but not Russia or Israel. So two <laughs> countries we know have nuclear yep. uh, missiles, uh, but India, Pakistan, and North Korea uh, apparently have nuclear missiles that they're ready to launch, along with China and the U.S. and <laughs> France and Britain. I thought, yeah. that, I thought that was fun, uh, but they can't launch because Martha's clone is sabotaging them. They can't. Launch I the love how the uh, she's got this like dialogue box that pops up on her phone right. of launch and don't launch, and she yeah. keeps hitting the don't launch every few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I want that app. So this this is again this is 2008. So pre smartphone. This has got to be this has got to be like some Palm Pilot or. At best, pa- yeah, PDA, uh, yeah, kind of your basic PDA type, yeah, Palm Trio, maybe, but yeah, yeah. very basic app. So she's got this app on her phone, and l- let's hope it's not as unreliable as Palm Trios used to be, because those used to crash mm. all the time. Can you imagine trying trying to press the button and the phone crashes? Ah. <laughs> yeah, oops. Uh, Did it go through? Did it not? Did it send the wrong signal? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if you if you're gonna have a dead man switch, you really want the dead man switch to be reliable. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so then we have Colonel Mace, a scene of Colonel Mace giving a, a pep talk to the soldiers to engage the Santars, despite knowing their guns would be useless. And at this point, the doctor wishes he had the brigadier there, uh, Brigadier uh, Alistair. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Lethbridge Stewart. Lethbridge yep. Stewart. That's right. And uh, the dark. And then Mace says that Sir Alistair is actually still alive at this point, but he's stranded in mm-hmm. Peru and not available. So, yep. uh, yeah, that, that was nice to know that Sir Alistair was still. And he's Sir was, Alistair. I, actually, I did like yeah, that, that conversation. I, I did like yeah. that that conversation too, where the doctor says, for the first time, no offense to the colonel. And the colonel says, none taken. He's he's a great man. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I lo- I like that acknowledgement of uh, of the character. Um, so, so at this point, the Santarans are storming the factory and killing lots of people. 
Yep. And they even walk past, uh, we see the guy who's in charge, I forget the name, it's not Stahl, but the guy who's in charge of the ground forces, I believe, walking past the two conditioned unit soldiers that are on the Centauran side, mm-hmm. and yep. they're like reporting for duty, sir, and he just shoots them Yeah, and yep. kills them. And we don't see the laser blast impact them, it's off screen, but it's clear that he just killed two humans that are on his side. Yep. Right. And then yeah, that 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 it shows like the ruthlessness of them, I guess. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that was yeah. It doesn't seem very honorable or, you know, a, no. a forthright as a warrior. Well, but that's the, the thing is they're they're not they're not like Klingons where honor is above everything. They just battle, winning the battle, killing, destroying. Right. That's that's what Suntarans are about. But they do have this glory rhetoric that they use about how, like, I'm sorry that I'm going to have to capture you because death would be more honorable. And Style talks about honor. That's a dishonorable way of fighting and that sort of thing, too. So, I mean, the, again, they're not monolith. They could have different personalities and different mm-hmm. interests. And some soldiers yeah. are more honorable than others, that sort of or thing. Or maybe, so. maybe that's, even though it totally didn't come across to the viewer, maybe that's what this uh, ground commander thought he was doing, was now right. that they've been controlled uh, that's deprived them of honor so he's giving them back their honor by killing them yeah 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 Could be. so uh at, at this point uh luke realizes that the centaurans were betraying him they were not never going to give him his uh his little world where he could restart re, you know restart the human race yeah. and, and, and he realizes he, he realizes that because they tell him explicitly well, they were never right. going yeah. to do this they were target well, they, practice right. Yes, uh, and he he dissolves into tears, which is was kind of pathetic. It was a, it was a little uncomfortable to watch. Uh, the The doctor calls Donna on the TARDIS and has to convince her to leave the TARDIS. And and this is a, I think this is an effective scene because she's just, yeah. she's afraid. She's afraid for her life, and he has to convince her that you're the only hope. You have to you you have the ability. You can open that door and attack the Santaran by you know whacking him on the uh, probic port on the back of his neck. With the uh, yeah. the rubber mallet, that's so apparently stupid, a key part of the okay. instrument panel. But yeah, <laughs> it's as bad as having having a having a ring that doesn't do yellow or a screwdriver that doesn't do wood. Or wait a minute, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, so he's he convinces her to go out. There. She has to go look for something uh, in the in another room. Uh, um, what was it she was looking for? A, the teleport controls. Oh, it, it's the control for the transmats. Oh, right, right, right. She has to give them back the control. Basically the circuit breakers. Uh, uh, we we do get a scene of the doctor with uh, uh, Colonel Mace. Um, uh, they're all putting, with the soldiers, they're all putting on gas masks, and the doctor turns to Mace and says, are you my mummy? Which I yeah. thought was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little callback I, there. Yep. Yeah, and I, I cannot help but see gas masks anywhere and always say, are you my mummy? Uh, yeah. so that's just good writing. By, by the way, one thing before we move on from Donna having to conquer her fear and go out and knock out the Suntaran, um, uh-huh. I liked how she's, I like the acting in this because yes. Donna can be very boisterous and have lots of swagger. In fact, yep. that for me ruins one of the climactic scene of Donna's arc is how much swagger she's putting on. Um, yeah. That yeah. Ep- episodes and episodes down the line. Um, but here we don't have that here. She's coming across as genuinely scared, but mm-hmm. mastering that fear. And then when she knocks out the Centauran, just for a second in one of her, lo- in one of her lines, 
we get just a hint of the swagger that she's yep. this has given her confidence. But then it's yep. gone and she's back to being scared yep. and having to control that. And I really like that. That no, it was very, very, very well her. acted. Very well acted. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, but she did have to do the Spock salute. Yeah, I like that. Open the door. <laughs> it's it's three fingers for a Centauran. You have three fingers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do the Spock salute. <laughs> so, uh, so Mace makes a good uh, speech about fighting back. And then um, uh, they talk about the bullets. The, remember, they had the Coeur d'Alene uh, uh, field that, prov- that ex- makes copper jacketed bullets expand in the barrel so they can't fire properly. And so they have steel coated ones or so they come up with some some cannon thing for why they could shoot. Mm-hmm. And uh, he makes a good speech about fighting back and then calls in the helicarrier uh, mm-hmm. Valiant. The Valiant. So shield sends sends its helicarrier over. Oh, wait. Yes. Avengers but- assemble. They blow away the smog, which I thought was good. And that was fine. Up to this point, though, we've been having the doctor, and this has been really one note, and it started grading on me in the writing. The the doctor is constantly harping to -hmm. the colonel about the colonel's inability to do anything to fight the Centaurans. And the colonel is consistently ignoring him. Mm -hmm. And this just one note, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, is weak writing and i don't like it and yeah. i i do like it when finally the colonel brings in something he should have brought in ages ago that will mm-hmm. let him fight the suntarans and unit storms the factory and starts kicking suntaran butt yep right uh, as the valiant shoots its death star laser at the Atmos factory uh because it's totally a death star laser uh yeah, oh, the yeah. doctor goes whoa that uh that's brilliant and mace <laughs> actually kind of gives it back to him Getting a taste for it, Doctor? Uh, oh, yeah. no, not at all. Not me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was, uh, I think, maybe well, a little was, bit of acknowledgement. It was kind of funny, though, that how easily the Santarans fell. You know, you'd think they would have great armor that bullets would not be able to pierce, but yeah. no, they, they went down pretty quick, actually, once they got bullets that could actually fire. Student, stormtrooper armor, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There, there is something that happens. Well, an armor that's designed for energy weapons may be ineffective against exactly. slug throwers. Exactly. Right, right. Um, the, um, I mean, the ideal armor to protect you from laser, other than a made of material, would be a mirror. But you can yeah. shoot a bullet through a mirror. <laughs> yeah. Just don't True. tell the roots in. <laughs> yeah. So the Martha Claude and the Doctor go off of their own to the to the basement and. Uh, she she keeps stopping the nuclear launch with her cell phone, uh, and the doctor. And that's where the doctor finds the real Martha, and and then he tells the clone that he knew all along it was her because uh, her pupil response and the the thinning of the follicles on her left temple. Okay, yeah. and, and you, the smell. You smell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Ouch. Which you know that seems to be a flaw, maybe in the clone thing, and maybe why didn't anybody else notice? Or maybe we're just very polite British people. And we don't mention people's smell i assume that this is something very subtle that only the doctor can tell True. because he does like identify what planet he's on by and by what you know and where he is on the planet by how it smells right that's so true. i think this is an allusion to that but it's like i forget exactly how he says it but it's like you positively scream i'm a clone <laughs> yeah. yeah right uh so then uh, May, uh colonel mace manages to kill commander score I love that. Uh, I love that scene. That was just kind of like, you know, the commander yeah. standing up and. Yep. Score one for Mace, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
the doctor learns from the clone Martha that the the gas is, as we were, had talked about before, clone food. Uh, that they're converting the Earth into a clone hatchery uh, for for uh, replenishing the the uh, armies of the Suntarans. For some reason, they need Earth. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it's closer to the front to the of their of their war, and so that yeah. makes Earth. They don't really go location. into why, or maybe it's very far away from the front, so it's a safe yeah. place to breed people, yeah. or maybe they only this kind of planet can be turned into a hatchery. Right. Right, right. So, Although the Rutan do know about Earth, so that that's not exactly hidden. Uh, yeah, anyway, but they the, haven't been there since 1909. Well, that's true. That's true. It's been 110 <laughs> years, or 100, 100, 100 years, actually, uh, yeah. from the this episode. The, what I found interesting about this sequence is the interaction between the two Marthas, because you yeah. have Martha, real Martha, and clone Martha. And clone Martha, now that real Martha has been unplugged, is in the dying process Mm -hmm. and she can't continue to live without being plugged into the real Martha. And so she's dying, but she's still conscious. And Martha is like, that's me and is totally rattled by this. And we got some nice acting on the part of, of, of uh, Freema playing Mm -hmm. both roles where you have her as her, as Martha being freaked out by this, but also sympathetic to the other version of her that's dying and also trying to get useful information out. And then from the clone's perspective, she's dying and in pain and she's resentful of that. And, Mm -hmm. but she's also sympathetic to Martha and is trying to do her best to not give information that will help the doctor, but finally concludes that she will give the information to help Martha. Right. And there's Mm -hmm. just, there's nice texturing in there psychologically. Yep. There's a nice bit of dialogue there where Martha says, there's nothing I can do. And the clone says, in your mind, you've got so many plans. There's so much you want to do. And Martha, I, and I will never do tomorrow what you can do today, my mom says, because, and then the clone says, because you never know how long you've got Martha Jones all that life and then dies. And then mm-hmm. Martha yeah. takes back the engagement ring yeah. from the clone yep. taken from her. So uh, very interesting. And maybe this that's a little bit of what, causes Martha's course of her life to change from here to where we see her again uh, mm-hmm. after this bit of adventure the doctor concludes in the next yeah I would totally the- disinfect that engagement ring before putting it on though I mean it's got clone oh, all yeah. over it oh it's gonna <laughs> smell bad <laughs> so the doctor manages to rescue Donna from the Centauran ship beams down the TARDIS and then transports the three of them to the Radigan Academy where the doctor finishes building an atmospheric converter because when he had been there before, he saw them with all this planetary terraforming gear uh, for their what they thought they were going to be colonizing a new planet. And so the doctor says, well, the, what terraforming converts atmosphere into stuff we can breathe. So I'll just convert this one. And apparently the way it works is it shoots blasts into the gas. and it, converts It's like it a there. Roman candle. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and and so we have here here we have another trope. This is our magical special effect solution. Yep. You just yes. use the magical special effect to fix everything on Earth all at the same time, you know. And so that's how you deal with a planetary threat. N- never, um, and he never does mind it the, 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 by burning everybody. Yeah, the, the, yeah the, I know. There's a global fireball. The entire uh, atmosphere is coated this fireball, but except on ground level, and everything's fine, and nobody's even a little bit warm. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. and I did uh, based on you know I I counted. As we watched from space, it sweep over the Earth, and I calculated 
that blast wave that he set off in our atmosphere is traveling at about 48,000 miles per hour. The, <laughs> right. the blast, uh, any any shock wave tra- traveling through our atmosphere at 48,000 miles an hour is going to do all kinds of damage. I mean, it's, yes. that right. itself is going to kill everyone. I was, was going to say just the, the fire. shock wave, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the smoke, the smog was like everywhere. It was down at ground level. It was in houses. And if you're going to burn all that up, that's going to burn wherever it is. Oh, it sucked it all up. The fire just sucked it up because they actually showed it. Oh, right, 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 right. So now we have. It would suck up everything else, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we have uh, blue skies and fresh air and everything is good again. Um, And so now we we still have a Santaran battleship in the in orbit. So the doctor. has decided he's not going to just destroy them. He could just blast them out of the out of the sky, but he he needs to give them a chance. This a choice. The he has, he has yeah. to give them a choice, and he knows to, to, he knows peace. they're not going to make the right decision. So he's planning on dying here. Yes, uh, and so what we have is we have another instance, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing of someone choosing to die in the doctor's place. Yeah, and uh, Luke, when, he tells before he beams up, he tells Luke to do something clever with his life. And then Luke goes to work rewiring something in the transmat pod, and mm-hmm. Donna or Martha one asks him, "What are you doing?" And he says something clever. Yes, and he ends up uh, beaming up with the the uh, device and setting it off uh, to explode. Yeah, actually, the doctor's up there with the device, and Luke oh, beams. This right. is why he had to rewire it right. so that it wouldn't bring the device down. He he rewires it so it brings just the doctor down and substitutes him in the doctor's place, and he catches the device and says, Santar, ha, and sets it off. <laughs> yeah, <Yep. laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, and then uh, so after everything is done, uh, Donna b- back at home with with her, her, her mom and her granddad, and she has a, a teary goodbye with Wilf, um, and then they're about to say goodbye to Martha. On board the TARDIS, Martha's going to say, oh, it was so nice to spending, you know, this this little adventure with you. I'm going to go back to my life now. And the TARDIS shuts its doors and takes off on its own. Uh, and we keep getting shots of the of the Christmas episode hand that's in a in a in a mm-hmm. bo- in a bubbling bottle. Yes. Yes. That will be uh, significant again, apparently, in the next episode where we get to meet Mrs. Doctor Who or. Daughter, hey, Doctor Miss, Who. Miss Doctor Who. The daughter, <laughs> the daughter Who. of the Doctor is also the wife of the Doctor. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the son-in-law of the Doctor is the Doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, his daughter is his wife, and so. Uh, and I'm my own grandpa. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I was folks, just thinking of that song too. <laughs> yeah, folks, this is gonna this next next time we're not talking about about the the this is the Doctor's daughter episode. Next time we're talking about a classic uh, Who, but. After that, you're gonna we're gonna have a show full of this t- sort of wibbly wobbly <laughs> discussion. I I just want to say I'm really glad that they kept Martha around for the next episode because the the kind of the easy thing to do is let's bring back the actress for this two parter that'll wrap up her character arc and we're done, and then to find out and you assume going through the Centauran strategy and, mm-hmm. and the Poison Sky that's what's happening. Yes. It's just a one time bring back Martha. And then no, we get her for another adventure. Yay! Yep. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about this. Like that that did Freema Akiman? Did she want to to do? Uh, you know, did she miss the job? Did she want to do three more episodes? Uh, it was a very interesting choice to 
change companions, but then to bring the old companion back again in the next season. And I wonder if well, there was something contractually about, you know, she wanted certain amount of work if she was going to come back and it ended up being three episodes worth instead of just two. Yeah. It could be. I assume that um, that because of how Russell T. Davies planned ahead, um, that when she left initially, there were plans to bring her back, mm-hmm. just like there were plans to bring Rose back yeah. and plans to bring Don. I mean, that's one of the things that characterizes Russell T. Davies era is he brings back companions. They get their time in the sun, but then we get these, you know, later meetups and right. it happens with all of them, even Captain Jack and everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas then in, in Stephen Moffat's time that changes where you have, uh, Karen Gilliam saying, Nope, when I'm out, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, right. I'm not coming back the way they did back then. And so I think it was always, and we had the setup when Martha leaves, she's, she takes the superphone and says, I'm going to call you someday, mister, and you better come. Right. So mm-hmm. that's effectively a promise to the audience. We will see Martha again. And that could have been paid off by just the Suntaran stratagem and the Poison Sky. But then we get more, which makes me happy. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, okay. Any other, any notes uh, left on the on the Poison Sky from either of you uh, on this? Nope. Anything nope. left to say? Nope. Uh, pretty straightforward episode. All right. So I guess, um, let's see, I'm just double check. I don't have any, uh, all of our feedback from uh, last time. We don't have any new feedback. So uh, let me just. Finish up by thanking our our patrons uh, who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including this week Maria S, John H, Edward G, Billy C, and Placid K. Their generous donations at sqpn.com/give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com/give. So that's it from us. What did you think of the Poison Sky? Let us know by visiting sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. And like I said, leave us some feedback there or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the sixth Doctor story, Mark of the Rani. Until yeah. then, <laughs> I was waiting for that. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Doctor Who. Uh, thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, Donna Nobis Pachem. Ryan, this is going to be fun.